was going as a flight should normally go, when somewhere over the Atlantic, suddenly, the plane just dropped. Probably dropped for about four or five seconds, but it felt like four or five hours it was dropping for. It, and I mean complete freefall. The person that was sitting right in front of me went straight up and hit the ceiling and came back down. I was luckily buckled in, but I was completely off my seat as the plane was, was plummeting from the sky in that moment. The pilot comes on the intercom and says, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was just a little bit of an air pocket that we just hit, and there's nothing to fear. Now, the truth is the entire rest of the way, we're just waiting for the next air pocket. We're just waiting for the next moment where we free fall from the sky. And I'll tell you, my legs are shaking, my stomach is in my throat, and the entire time it is this like just this terrible feeling of doom can happen at any moment. I can't tell you how much I was, how happy I was when I set feet on solid ground and, and felt that firmness under my feet and knew there's no more dropping today. That feeling of being on solid ground and not being shaken anymore. I don't know about you, but this past year, I was shaken. This past year was filled with moments where we felt shaken, where the ground beneath us felt like it wasn't always there, where we felt uncertainty, where we felt chaos, where we felt like things were not the way that they were meant to be. And many of us experienced a year of being shaken. And this morning, when we look into Luke chapter 6, it's to better understand how Jesus talks about this unshakable life that he offers us, this life that's meant to be built on a solid foundation. And we'll talk much more about that this week, and we'll dive into it deeper and deeper over the next couple of weeks. So if you have your Bibles open this morning, let's explore the unshakable life as we look at Luke chapter 6. And we'll begin at verses 17 and onwards, and we'll pause.
Jesus is the celebrity sighting that everyone wants to have. He's the trending topic that everyone is talking about. And so people from all over the land are coming to see him speak. And so he gives this sermon, a sermon that we sometimes call the Sermon on the Plain, the sermon on a level place where he stops and he preaches this message that he gives to the public and to the world. But in the middle of all of this, he turns to his disciples and he starts to give them a very specific message. Now remember, there are many people listening at this point, many people from different backgrounds who are listening, but Jesus turns to his disciples. In fact, verse 20 says like this, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Jesus is specifically speaking to those who have chosen to follow him. Those who call him Lord is the crowd that he's specifically addressing. This group that would be the followers of Jesus once and for all. And he gives them this question, this all-important question that we will see in verse 46. That question is, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jesus is asking this very interesting question. Why would you call me Lord? Why would you use this title with me and not actually do what I say? Why do you call me Lord? Does calling me Lord actually make me your Lord? It reminds me of the, the little boy who lives across the street from where we live. He's at our house all the time playing with my sons. And every day he's at our house, I don't think he knows my name, so he just calls me dad across the street. That's what he calls me. So he says, dad across the street, can I have a drink? Dad across the street, can I have a snack? <laughs> now, I'm not his dad. So just because he calls me that doesn't mean that's the relationship that we're in. And Jesus comes to this group of disciples. Just because you call me Lord, does saying it make it true? Just because you proclaim this line, just because you come here to hear me, just because you come to be healed, does it make me your Lord? In 2005, uh, the actress Charlize Theron was given a $3 million contract to wear uh, watches from a company called Raymond Wild. She was paid a lot of money to be photographed wearing it, to be in ads for Raymond Wild watches, to show the luxury and the wonder of Raymond Wild watches, which is awesome until she was photographed wearing a competitor's watch a couple of weeks later. And the company had to quickly sue their own spokesperson. Now, here's what they were originally saying. She wears Raymond Wild watches, so trust her opinion and wear a Raymond Wild watch too until she stopped doing that. Now, did she truly believe in these watches? What she did didn't necessarily match up with what she said she believed. It reminds me of LeBron James, the famous basketball player, who is, has been paid over 300, I'm sorry, $100 million to be a, spokes, a spokesperson endorser of Samsung products. And if you might remember, in the NBA Finals a couple of years ago, LeBron James, to pump up his teammates, decided to give them all gifts, and those gifts were course, Apple Watches is what he gave every one of them. And so here's this guy saying, you should buy Samsung, you should use Samsung, and he's gifting his teammates a completely different product, a competitor's product at that. You might remember that there was a famous tweet he put out once where he actually even said, my phone just erased everything that I had on it, 
and it rebooted one of the sickest feelings I've ever had in my life, to which Samsung quickly asked him, please take that down. It makes us look terrible. Just because I say something doesn't mean I believe something. Just because you call me Lord doesn't mean that it attaches or it's, it's applicable to your life. If you and I think about it carefully, what's the number one reason why many of our friends and many of the people we know in our lives don't become Christians? It's because they've seen Christians. It's because they've seen people who call him Lord and decided if that's the way that people who call him Lord live, then I want nothing to do with that. And this morning, as we come into Luke chapter 6, we get to see how Jesus addresses this idea of living an unshakable life, but he starts with this question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So let's pick it up from verse 46. And remember again, Jesus is speaking to his followers, not the crowds here. He's speaking to his disciples. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Jesus tells us right off the bat, here's what separates the shakable life and the unshakable life. It's the life of the person who calls me Lord, but doesn't actually do what I say. Here's what the difference is. And he gives us this amazing parable, one of the most famous passages of Scripture ever, the parable of two houses, that one house was built on deep, strong rock foundation, and the other one was not built on any foundation in this story. And when the storms came, when the torrent rose and the floods came, one house was left standing and the other one was not. And Jesus is asking this question. What have you built your life upon? What is the foundation of your life? What is your life actually made of? Because if you ask yourself, why does life feel so chaotic? Why do I feel like I'm constantly shaken? Why does nothing feel secure in my life? Why do I constantly struggle? Why do I wake up every morning anxious? Why do I wake up and, and go to work worrying about the worst that could happen? Why do I go to bed every night dreading tomorrow? Why does my life feel so chaotic and shaken at all times? Jesus asked them this question. What did you build with? And what did you build on? This life that you have, what is it built with? And what is it built upon? From the earliest ages when you heard this line, once upon a time there lived three little pigs, you've known that what you build with matters. That what you build with, when the wolf comes, you've got to have built with something that's strong, that's something that could last. You've got to build well. When you look at any list of the, the pictures you have to take before you die, you will see a giant collection of photos that look like this. Photos of people holding up this tower in Italy. And if you ask yourself why it's not called the Tower of Pisa, but the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it's because of what's underneath it. 
because the soil underneath is so soft that the tower has leaned over time. And you and I know this. The deeper we dig, the stronger the foundation, the more sturdy the building can be and the higher it can rise. In fact, right now when I go to work every week, there's a new building coming up on Commonwealth Avenue that I get to see. For the past year and a half, all I've seen are construction crews working on a foundation. I haven't seen one thing above street level because for a year, a year and a half, they've just been working on the foundation. This past week, they actually started building above the street, and that's for the first time we're seeing how important that foundation must be. How deep you dig is how high you can go. These last couple of years, there's this uh, story of a building in San Francisco called the Millennium Tower, and you might have heard this story where for the past five or six years, this building, this amazing building in San Francisco has been sinking about 18 inches since it's been built because of how they've been building. They've been building into soft clay, and now the building is starting to lean, and it's starting to sink at the same time. This is not from a 1,000 years ago. This is right now. This is happening. And so when all of these construction crews and engineers are coming together, they're saying we need to build deeper into bedrock in order for this building to stand. So right from the get-go in our lives, we know this. The deeper we dig, the stronger we lay the foundation, the better we can live, we can build up in our lives. But Jesus takes it a step further than that. He says, let me explain to you where the unshakable life comes from. Let me give you the ingredients to an unshakable life. And he uses the example of two houses. Two houses that on the surface look exactly the same. Two houses that, that resemble one another, that on the surface, when you and I are looking at it, they look exactly the same. But Jesus says one house will stand in the middle of a flood and the other will not. The other will collapse and great will be the ruin of that house. So Jesus says there's something we have to understand about this. Number one, oftentimes when we read this passage, we often think of it as one house is the Christian house and the other one is the atheist house. That's not the way Jesus talks about it. He's talking to people, remember, disciples, who call him Lord, Lord is what he's talking to. So one house is a Christian house. The other house is a Christian house. They're both houses that call him Lord, Lord. They look the same on the outside. In fact, for many of us, this is the situation. Our houses look the same as the people around us. Our lives look the same as the people we're sitting next to right now. But Jesus said, if you want to know where the unshakable life comes from, it comes from the fact that one of the houses dug deep and built a stronger foundation than the other house ever thought to do. And so Jesus, in verse 47, gives us three ingredients to building the unshakable life. The first ingredient he says, he says like this, those who come to me, those who come to me, and that's the first ingredient to the unshakable life, to come to Jesus. For many of us, the unshakable life has been a distant thought in our lives. Why? Because we've neglected the one thing, the first step that Jesus calls us to. Come to me. Make me the primary focus of your life. See, we often build our foundations on things that we are comfortable building with, right? Our educations, 
our savings accounts. We're comfortable building around our families. We're comfortable building with our friends. We're comfortable building our lives and our kingdoms on things that we know. Jesus says, well, those things are good, but they're shakable. Those are things that can fall when the flood comes. Instead, I invite you to come to me and build on me the solid rock that cannot be shaken. Build on me. And what does that require? It requires you and I to come to him every single day. This is how the Bible puts it. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isaiah says, come, everyone who thirsts. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. The book of James says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. It's this idea of when every day I wake up and I draw nearer to God, that's me digging deeper and deeper to lay a stronger foundation for my life. That means whether life is going great, I still draw close to God. When life is going terribly, I still draw closer to God because coming to me is part of the foundation building that we do every single day in our lives. If you find yourself neglecting the come to Jesus in your life every day, then you might find a direct correlation to why your life has felt so shaken over these past weeks, months, years as, as well. There were many who came that day, crowds who came to say, hey, check the box, I saw Jesus speak. In fact, that's what the Bible says. It says that the crowds came to hear him and to watch him cure their illnesses. So there are crowds who are coming there to get a better life. There are crowds who are coming there to have more convenience. There are crowds who want to just say, I was there when Jesus did blank. There are people who are gathering, they are coming to Jesus. And Jesus addresses every one of them, and he talks to every one of them as this is part of the foundation, to come to me. That's the starting point of this foundation every day, to dig deeper by coming to Jesus and digging that foundation deeper and deeper in your life. He says, pursue me. But here's the unfortunate truth that I know I've done in my life. I will often mistake a pursuit of Jesus with a percent of Jesus. Somehow I'll confuse this idea that if I pursue Jesus and I give him a percent of my day, a percent of my week, a percent of my life, a percent of my money, if I do all of that, then I am pursuing him. And Jesus says, it's a little different than that. I'm not calling you to build your life and invite me into the car at some point. He says, I'm calling you to follow me, to come to me, let me build your life. This is where the deep foundation starts, to let Christ have primacy, to have Christ have full control, to have full surrender. In fact, that's what the word Lord actually means. It means that, God, this is not just a title I'm giving you, but my life I'm giving you. In fact, a disciple would have been a person who worked and sweat tears and blood throughout their entire lives to one day be like their master. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Don't just give me a percent of you. Don't just give me a percent of your life. Pursue me with your whole life. Come to me as the first ingredient. There are so many people coming to Jesus with different needs and for different reasons. It often reminds me of every year, right around March, uh, I get a flood of requests, emails, to have office hours. And those emails are awesome because you can tell right away what's going on. The students will start out with an email like this. Dear professor, 
your class has changed my life, which then I know right away they're lying, or they're, they sent it to another professor. Your class is the best class I've ever been to. It's wonderful. I would love to sit with you and get some more advice and, and some guidance on where to go in the future, and I would love to spend some time in your office hours. And I'd be like, yes, of course, come into office hours. Now, I know very well, as soon as the email starts that way, that their real intention is not to spend time with me and get some sort of guidance from me. They will talk for 15, 20, 25 minutes, and at the very end of the conversation, there's this awkward silence, and then they will say, can you write me a letter of recommendation? And that's when I know this is why you're actually here. It's not about relationship building. It's about getting something that will help you in the future. And Jesus is saying for so many of us, this is the come to us life that we have, the come to Jesus life. It's I will come to you, Jesus, as long as I can get something from you. That's what the people from Tyre and Sidon were doing. They were coming to get something from Jesus, a healing, a cure, an easier life, a better life. And Jesus is saying, no, build your life on me. Give me your entire life. Let me be Lord and watch what I can do with that life instead. And so the first ingredient of that unshakable life is to come to Jesus. The second ingredient that Jesus gives us in verse 47 is those who come to me and hear my word. To hear my word. If you want to know why so many of us feel shakable in our lives, it's because maybe we've come to Jesus at some point, we have made his voice a distant thought in our lives. I'm not a handyman by any stretch of the imagination, but I'll tell you this, YouTube has made me a pretty good handyman. <laughs> I know if I want to assemble a product or fix something in my house, all I need to do is pull up a YouTube video, have it playing in the background as I build or as I do whatever I'm doing. It's Play, open the box, pause. <laughs> Take out the item, pause. And then I'll do that. I'll keep building over and over again. And eventually I'm done. But here's the key with me and YouTube. I've got to be in the presence of that voice in order to know what to do next. I've got to be in earshot of that voice in order to be able to take my next step in life. And here's why so many of us feel shaken right now. We're not in earshot of God's voice anymore. We've stopped being within earshot of what he's saying. We're not around his word enough. And as a result, when storms come, we are shaken terribly. And this morning, there's a reminder to us that if we're going to build on something unshakable, let me show you something that's truly unshakable. This word does not change with trend and popularity. This word lasts forever. In fact, the Bible tells us like this, that the grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. That if I'm going to build my life on anything, this is worth building on. It's an unshakable word of God that I want to build my life upon. It's, a, it's something that's steady like a rock that cannot be shaken. It's sometimes a good reminder for us to remember that even when the world was shaken by COVID-19, God was not shaken by it. He was not alarmed or surprised when uh, a pandemic hit this world. He was not surprised when wars and pestilence and destruction and violence and murder. He is not surprised by these things. So I want to build my life on something that is not surprised by this. Someone whose word will outlast all of these things. 
And so I want to be within earshot of his word. I want to be around his word. I want to be reading it daily. I want to be absorbing it daily. I want to be spending time in prayer and listening for God's voice in my life. And I'll tell you the times where I felt most shaken in my life coincide perfectly with the times I've been farthest from God's voice. Pastor John Piper, a very famous author, preacher, pastor, was also a cancer survivor. John Piper tells about the day that he found out he had cancer for the first time. He talks about going in for an exam with his doctor and his doctor calling him back and saying, I'd like you to come back in tomorrow, which is not really a good sign. And when John Piper shows up to the doctor's office the next day, he's standing there in his little gown while the doctor goes to get the ultrasound equipment. He says, look, there's some things that are alarming to me. I want to do a deeper scan. And yes, I do believe there could be cancer we're talking about. The doctor steps out of the office, and John Piper says that this moment was this pivotal moment. I'm about to find out if I have this dreaded disease. And he says that this was a moment where I could have easily been shaken. Shaken because I've got a family to worry about. I've got a ministry to think about. I've got millions and millions of people who are waiting for me to preach next Sunday. This is something that I have to worry about. But John Piper says that suddenly as I stood in that doctor's office with this embarrassing gown on, God's word from that week came back into my heart. He said I was reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that week. And this verse came back into my mind. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And he says, in that moment, I heard God's word telling me, John Piper, this is not wrath. Live or die, I am with you. And it was God's word that he built his foundation on. And in a very real sense, he was not shaken. Because the, the, the diagnosis came in, and yes, he had very serious cancer. But he says, I wasn't shaken because I had God's word that no matter what happens, God's with me. I don't have to be shaken in this time. No matter what happens, live or die, I will be with my Lord. And that's the solid rock that he was building his life on. The days that I have been most shaken are the days where I refuse to dig deep and hear God's voice. So the third and final ingredient to living the unshakable life, Jesus says, is to come to me to hear my words and to put them into practice. Jesus says coming is important. Hearing is important. But putting them into practice is what separates those who come to me for something and those who are building their life on the solid foundation that cannot be shaken. Now, I want to ask you this morning, what are your greatest fears? Is it death? Is it sickness? Is it something happening to your family members or your loved ones? Is it poverty? Is it failure? Is it sadness? If you think about where they come from, they come from a place where you believe that you are ultimately in control. And Jesus is saying, when you actually make me Lord, Lord of your life, you have built a deep foundation where you come to me, you hear my word, and you put them into practice every single day, and you know that none of those fears are the end of the story because I get to write the story for you. Death is not the end. Sickness is not the end because there's this firm foundation that's being built underneath. These are some of the words that we read in the, in the book of Psalms and others where, where the writer says, I have set the Lord always before me. 
because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. We read like this in Psalms also, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved or shaken in any way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I want to ask you this morning as we prepare to close, what is your foundation built on? And how deep has it been built? Because for many of us, if I'm honest with myself, I call him Lord, Lord, but my life doesn't really match that at all. There are things that I know when I call him Lord, but there are certain things that I just refuse to follow. Certain parts of scripture that, eh, it's not for me. Certain things that I know he calls me to do that I simply will not do. Maybe some of us right now, we like coming to church. Our kids like coming to church. I love the music. And except for this week, I love the sermons. <laughs> and you might come here and you are saying, you're saying like, look, I love all of these things. And here's Jesus saying, but will you give your life to me? Will you allow me to be the Lord of your life? That means actually doing what you hear regularly. You might be saying, I call Jesus Lord, but I know what he says about anger, about gossip, about sexual morality, about generosity. I know what he says about those things, but he looks the other way on those things. And so I don't need to do those things. Over these next couple of weeks, we're gonna learn much more about what Christ is calling us to do to build that unshakable life. But let's start with an unshakable foundation. Every day, coming to Jesus. Every day, hearing his word. Every day, putting them into practice. Here's what storms do. They reveal the quality of your build. They reveal how well you've built this life. And so this morning, we have an opportunity to see. Maybe you're in a storm right now. Or if not, you're probably on the border of another storm in the future. No matter what, the storms will reveal the quality of your build but today, let's build that foundation. Let's dig deeper. Let's build with quality materials. Let's build on someone who's unshakable. Let's build on Jesus Christ. I want to invite our worship team up as we prepare to close. About 100 years after this passage was written, the city of Rome was crippled by two incredible plagues, giant plagues that crippled the city. And when the plague struck, many, many were killed, but it was the Christians that constantly stepped up to care for the sick and the poor, and it eventually caused many, many thousands, if not millions, to leave the religion of the Romans and come to Jesus Christ. It was a Roman emperor named Julian who wrote like this about 100 years after that. He said, the Christian faith has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not a single one among them who is a beggar and that the godless Christians care not only for their own poor, but our poor as well, while those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. Julian would say like this, we can't stop them because they live what they believe. This morning, I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads. The unshakable life 
is a result of coming to Jesus, hearing his word, and putting it into practice. Lord, if I'm honest with you right now, God, I know that I have been shaken. And I know it's because of the foundation I've built. A foundation of toothpicks built on me, built on things around me, built on what I can acquire. But Lord, I want to come to you and build my foundation on a rock that cannot be shaken, on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that I would have an opportunity to come to you more and more, that I would hear your word and listen to your voice, and most of all, I would put it into practice. I pray this for all of my friends who are listening right now. God, I pray that you would give us foundations that are solid and secure and that cannot be shaken in the storm because we've built it upon you. We give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're with us now, rise to our feet and let's worship the Lord together as we close.